Because it's a pretty broad statement. So if you were to hear that sentence, you need to obey God's commands. We need to obey God's commands. What do you specifically think of? You can make it as short of a list or as long of a list as you want. Just discuss what you think of when you think of obeying God's commands. And then discuss why it's important to obey God's commands. All right, and neither that, that might sound like an uh, elementary question, but um, it's something that we talk about with teenagers a whole lot, is getting past the knowledge of what you're supposed to do and getting into the heart of why you're supposed to do it. And actually, I could bore you with this whole theory of uh, different levels of morality and why it's, it, it really takes hold of your life once you understand the why, but we won't do that tonight. But I want you to just discuss that for like five, six minutes. It'll be a good intro to our teaching. Go. So let me, let's, let's read. So we've been going through the book of First John, and uh, we're, this is our third week, and we're pretty much going verse by verse. So this is where we are. I want to read this to you. First John 2, 3 through 11 is the passage for tonight. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And that one is like the headline of this whole section for me. So we'll read the whole section. But this is why I wanted to talk about up front what we think his commands are. Because we know if we know him, if we're obeying them. It's a pretty blanket statement, isn't it? There's not a whole lot of wiggle room there for like relativism or, you know, gray areas or personal convictions. You know, it's just like how well you know God is going to be evidenced by how, how well your life lines up with his word. Like blanket statement and, and not popular. I don't even think it's even popular in a lot of churches in America to say that, I, I am a follower of Jesus. Well, let me look at how well you obey him. Like, you don't hear obedience talked about much, even in church. We hear a lot about love and a lot about grace and a lot about forgiveness, which is all good. But obedience is a, is a non-popular topic. Obedience often requires denying yourself, another non-popular topic. It requires sacrifice. So, Let's read the whole thing. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. I mean, this gets really in your face. Like if I stood up here and just said this to you, part of you would resist it. You would be like, whoa, would you call me a liar? I know Jesus. Jesus loves me. He died for my sins. If I got up here without reading the scripture and just came up here, I should have done that. Got up and be like, you know what? If you don't obey Jesus and you say you're a Christian, you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. Ooh. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is made complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That's my title for tonight's teaching. I mean, that is a goal that I think we can all point our lives at for the rest of our lives and get closer and closer to without ever really hitting it. Live as Jesus lived. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've heard since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard, and we could talk about exactly what he's saying there, but yet I'm also writing you a new command. So some of the old commands, he's saying, have been shown perfectly in the person of Jesus, right? The new command, its truth is seen in him and in you, because now the Holy Spirit is in you. And that's what the Old Testament always talked about, right? He's going to write his law on our hearts. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And so that's happened. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light, Jesus, is already shining. And anyone who claims to be in the light, now he kind of applies it to a specific situation, but hates his brother or sister still in the darkness. 
Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness, and they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. All right, as I prepared for this teaching, I, I wrestled, and, and like I sat with this and in prayer for a good hour and a half without writing anything down because I was cycling through in my mind what do I say? Like, this is a room full of people that I know and respect and love. And like, most of you are not, it's not going to be like an aha moment that you need to obey God, right? You know that. I'm, what am I going to do? Get up here and be like, guys, obey the Bible. And be like, Whoa. You know, so for a while, I really wrestled around with, I got to find some other like way to say this. Like there's some deep hidden meaning in here, like pull something out no one's ever heard of, but there's nothing in there like that. It's just what you see is what you get. If you know God, your life will show it. If you know God, if you truly know him, if you love him, if you're with him, if you're in him, your life will look like someone who knows him and loves him and is in him. So then I started to think, well, no one's going to want me talking about sin. No one's going to want me defining sin. It's hard to define sin for other people. Have you noticed that? I mean, it would be, even in this room where we're all very homogenous, you know, a lot of similarities here, it would be very difficult for us to agree on all of what is sin and what is not sin. And so that gets real tricky to teach that you have to obey God's commands if we can't even agree on what his commands are. And I think you see a lot of that in in the church today. In fact, this is the culture that John was writing to because remember I told you in the first week, I'm sure you remember because you remember everything I ever say, right? Uh, In the first week, we talked about how John was writing um, against some Gnostic teachers who were teaching that the body is totally evil already, okay? There's no good in the body. So do whatever you want with your body because it's already evil. You can't make it good. It's just spiritual stuff that's good and physical stuff is bad. And so live however you want. And he's saying no. And isn't that close to how America is? Live however you want. It's all relative. Moral relativism. What feels good? I mean, there's, you can't define people in any way. You can't. You can't put labels on people. You, I mean, it's, you know, you know, you live here. You know, so I'm worried. I mean, I might, I might slip and say something that might condemn somebody. Or you might think I'm judgmental. Or, see, others of you will look at me and be like, he's not being judgmental enough. Right? And that's the, that's the problem. Right, Heather? Right? <laughs> you were thinking it. Come on now. <laughs> All right. So I went back and forth. And I, just to be honest with you. And, and, but then I read this again. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And I, you just can't escape it. You can't erase it. You can't cross it out. I want to know him. Like if we did a show of hands, a lot of hands would go up. If you want to know Jesus. I want, I want to know Jesus. And we, like, how do I know if I know Jesus? Like how, how can I check on my relationship with God? Well, I can just look at my life. I can look at the exterior of my life. Am I obeying his commands? Because that is a litmus test from scripture, if you know Jesus, right? I want to love him. It says, um, anyone who obeys his word loves, the love for God is made complete. It's, what it means there is it's matured. So if you're obeying God, your love for God has matured to a point where your outside life is mirroring the inside life. 
I want to I want to be in him. So I know we all do. So that I'm going to try to talk about this tonight. I'm going to try to be challenging, but not in any way that I wouldn't be challenging with myself. Is that fair? All right. So but I want to be challenging because because I don't think we're all in this room saying, "Yeah, check 100%." Right? I got that. So we but we need to drive deeper because I'm going to I'm going to guess that most people are in the room aren't like glaring huge, you know, it's, it's about sanctification, which we're going to get into. It's a big word, which just means becoming more like Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you have breathed life into this teaching. God, I think that there's a lot of like gray areas and, and even controversies to step in in this. So I pray you would guide me and guide us and speak to us. And overall, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would convict and move in each of our hearts in the way that you want to. Amen. So the first the first goal, the first thing is that, you can put the next one up, Janine, is becoming more like Jesus. I mean, this is really what it's about. Shouldn't we, if we're following Jesus with all of our heart, shouldn't our life be looking more and more like Jesus' life? Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So there is a new person. There's a new Gary born in Jesus that the old Gary, but you know, sometimes that old Gary right, comes knocking, and the new Gary has to, like, push that old Gary away. And we have that tension. You know, Paul writes about that, where it's like, uh, sometimes I do what I don't want to do. Sometimes I don't do what I want to do. What am I going to do, right? I love that, because it's, it's, it's true. And it's, it's, it's so good. It's, it's, the, it's the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Stay with me. So the kingdom of God is here, right? Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is in you. But the kingdom of God is coming. He said that too. How is it in both places at once? It's come, but it's still to come fully. Jesus hasn't taken over completely, right? The world would look different. You and I would look different. But it has come. The kingdom has come. So even in our lives, that's true. The kingdom has come in my life. I can see the king living in and through me, but the kingdom has not come fully in my life because I can see the me (laughs) living in and through me. And sometimes it's like literally back and forth, right? Like the kingdom of God and the not yet kingdom of God. And you're like, you know? And I I think that Christians don't like to talk about doing what's right. I really do. Because of this, and this is what I'm going to say. So I think that there's two ways to do what's right. You can do what's right from a self-righteous, pharisaical heart, or you can do what's right out of a humble, devoted heart to God. And I think that we're so afraid in American Christianity to become the self-righteous, pharisaical heart that looks down on people and that the world thinks we are, that we we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we're like, we're not even going to talk about morality or rightness or commands or what is just and right or living according to a standard. We're just going to shy away from that. And we're just going to accept. We're just going to open our arms wide. Because we're called to love all. But there's this, there's this middle, radical middle that God calls us to, to accept and love all, but to also set a standard. And we struggle to find that balance. Because we're so scared of coming across as pharisaical. You know, the, fir- the, the, the ways to get to those two ways are totally different. You know, the first way to become that, that I'm going to do right is all about trying harder, isn't it? It's all about becoming like better and working harder on yourself. But the second way of learning to live righteously through love is all about relationship. 
And we're going to get there, but it's, it's about getting closer to Jesus, not trying harder. Okay. Sometimes you just need to not look at your notes because I'm like, it's in my heart. <laughs> um, I, I think that there's a lot of talk in, you'll hear it in church, you'll hear it in our church. A lot of anti-Pharisee talk. <laughs> You know, the Pharisees are this group that just enforced religious rules and missed the whole relationship with God thing, and Jesus definitely came against them. And I think that when pastors or Christians talk about living according to a standard, it gets slapped with that Pharisee label right away. And what's dangerous about that is there's no room for us to talk about righteously living according to a standard. I mean, if you look at Jesus's life, he didn't come and say, hey, Pharisees, we don't need no rules, and just like, live this loose, crazy, immoral life? I mean, he set the standard higher. I mean, does, isn't that what he did? I mean, the Sermon on the Mount's all about that. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, don't even look with lust. You've heard it said, don't commit murder. I tell you, don't even call someone a fool. Right, he takes it all to another level, but it's not abide by these rules, try harder, you're a horrible person. So somehow we have to disconnect Right? I mean, doing right, especially in American church, especially in certain churches you've come from, is all performance-based instead of relationship-based. Or we do right to try to get from God instead of try to give to God. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever prayed this prayer when something bad's happened in your life? But God, I've done so much for you. I've lived my life for you. I've sacrificed so much. I deserve to get some return out of this. So I think we wrestle with setting this standard. We wrestle with, how do we, how do we communicate that to the people around us who don't know Jesus? I don't want to come across as like, right? Judgmental or better than you or thinking I'm better or looking like I think I'm better than you. But we are called to a higher standard. You know, Claire, um, what she talked about last week about the transfiguration. You know, in First John it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's the revelation that John's like, you know, what we've seen, what we've heard, this is what we preach to you. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And if you took that in, in, as, like, as like a standard for your life, like somehow we're called to live in accordance with light and no darkness at all. It would just take that and like apply it to our life. Like I should be coming more and more like him. Um, yeah, 2 Corinthians says this, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So there's this sense. This is what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I've been, I've really, I don't, maybe it doesn't seem like it to you, but I've really been wrestling with this and I'm, I'm, I want to say that there is a righteous way to live and that it's okay to have standards or commands that you live by. It's okay for Christians to have that. It's okay for us to enforce that in our lives. And there's a way to do it that doesn't have to be condemnation or pharisaical. There's a way to do it that's about becoming more like Jesus. It's about his presence and his love so capturing our hearts. And that's why he says that the evidence of knowing him, right? Not the evidence of learning the Bible. Not the evidence of memorizing commands. Not the evidence of being really good at self-control. But the evidence of knowing Jesus will be that you obey his commands. Because your heart and life have been so captured with him that it flows out naturally. Okay, so I'm kind of known for being a stickler about cursing. And I, I know, I know 
that the teenagers specifically don't curse around me. I know that the young adults that have come up in my youth group, they specifically don't curse around me. I know for a fact that they do curse when I'm not around sometimes, but I have rarely heard any of them curse around me because they know that I have a problem with it. And there's been a couple of times, do you guys, do you, you older ones probably remember when we had guest speakers come in and curse at my youth group? And it was going down. I had to talk to them afterwards. Because like, like some youth speakers, in an effort to connect and, and, and build that bridge, they're like, I should curse. And I'm like, it doesn't compute. And, and even, even like, like I know, like cursing is not the biggest deal. I know it's not. I know like on the, the scale of things that are big deals in life, it's like down here. I know that. But even I have loosened up on this a little bit because I don't want to be that Pharisee, crazy Christian who keeps his standards so high. I was actually driving in the car with Jonathan yesterday or two days ago and he told me something that really upset me and I cursed. And he was like, (laughs) and I was like to myself, like what? Because I've just been loosening up a little bit. I I've allowed myself to think the more. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I've loosened up a little. I can tell that I've lowered my standards a little bit in an effort to not be so that guy. Because I'm always that guy. I'm always that guy. And I've, and I've tried to loosen up a little bit. And I was like, oh, where's the balance of, like, not being so rigid? But also, he does say no darkness at all. Does anyone else wrestle with this in their lives? Like the gray areas of life, like what's okay to watch or not watch on TV or listen to or not listen to? What conversations are okay to be in? You ever find yourself in that conversation? You're like, oh, I don't know how we got here, but this isn't good. But I don't know how to get out without sounding like that guy, you know? Like, I don't know how to say because I'm in a conversation with another great Christian and I'm going to be the one who's like, I don't think we should be talking about this because I'm too holy for it. You know what I mean? There's like no way to say that. But then you're in and you both keep talking about it. Have you ever been there? It's the little things that like, as we become more like Jesus, these little things matter, I think. You could take this the other way. See, this is the problem. I remember this guy when I was a kid taught in our church and he gave this crazy, great teaching about you gotta just throw out your TVs. Do you remember that? He said, I took my TV and I just, throw it out the window and you all have to throw your TVs out the window because it's evil. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's taking it too far probably. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe he's supposed to, like, who can tell? But, but I think that you, you can go overboard and because you can go overboard, I think we tend to go underboard. Is that, was that a word? You know, for fear of going overboard, we're like, oh, I'm sure it's okay over here. And I just, I think it's easier to just not think about, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. It's easier to not think about this one and just be like, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Like people, there's people that are worse than me. You know? And that's like not the standard. <laughs> I, I know Christians who, who do worse, you know. Like, what about this? Have you ever thought about this? Okay, never mind. All right. But remember. (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, This is just 
just the weirdest teaching. It isn't, there's no three points. There's no, it's just like a random spewing of my mouth and I'm praying that something sticks. That sounds disgusting, but <laughs> really, I, I mean, I, I worked on this and worked on it and it never, it never did anything more than just like, I'm throw, I feel like I'm throwing something out there and it's like, you deal with it, okay? Um, but somehow we have to remember in the midst of the challenge, these two things. Can you do the next one? Becoming more like Jesus is a process, right? This is where we get pharisaical, is we're like, you gotta be there now. And if you're not there now, you're bad. Like, that's not it. And you could walk out of here feeling condemned if you don't believe in process. Sanctification is a process. This is why some people are good just at working with teenagers and some people aren't, to be honest with you. I have worked with many adults who expect teenagers to be miniature adults, who expect their morality and their decision-making to be the same as a 40-year-old's. And I'm like, and they're like, well, you need to get that kid off the leadership team. You need to get that kid off the worship team. And I'm, and I'm like, do you remember being 15? Seriously, there's a curve here, people. Like, let's allow them to have the same growth process. Not, not my kids, but everyone else's, you know? <laughs> it's gonna be a process. It's gonna be a process. And same with us. Right, Bob? You're in process but we should be moving forward. Like it should be getting more like, more like Jesus, more like Jesus. And it's relationship. Those are quotes from this verse, right? We've come to know him. We've been made complete. Those are, those are processes, right? It, we know him, we love him, we're in him, relationship. This is connected to Jesus. So we have to hear this because you could give this teaching and it could be about rules, but it's about relationship that changes your life. That's what John's talking about. Right? Isn't that, go back to the beginning of chapter one, when he says, the things we've seen and heard, these things have captured me and changed my life, and I'm going to tell you about them. And then, he, you know, Claire's talking about, I saw he was God, right? And I'll never be the same. And so that's great, and we have those moments in life, but then in our daily life, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll be kind of the same. Like, we lose the wonder of who Jesus is. And it somehow is capturing the wonder of the light that where there's no darkness at all. The wonder of Jesus who's changed your life, who saved you from the grave, carrying that around in your daily life to inform how you make decisions, to inform how you, you know, pay your taxes. I mean, right? It's about filtering down this worship experience, this commitment in life down to every area of your life. Like, God, could you be the king of my whole life? Not just, not just my savior, but my king, where you would lead how I pay my taxes, you would lead how I talk to my children, where you would, you would lead, you know, how I drive. I mean, right? I mean, it sounds crazy, but it, we should be an alien race on this earth. I mean, that's what the Bible tells us. We should be so thoroughly different that you can tell by looking at us. And I think you look at a lot of Christianity and you cannot tell. In fact, people will say, well, I've met non-Christians who are nicer than Christians, right? You've probably said that, and it shouldn't be that way. We should be the most loving, kindest, highest standard, least judgmental. You know, I mean, we should be all that Jesus was. Somehow, he attracted everyone to him. And that's why we're supposed to become more like him. This is one of those I'm going to wrestle with when I go home tonight. I can tell. Um, okay. So here's, I want to challenge you. 
what in your life is a compromise right now? What if we said this verse said, if I want to know if I'm in him, I need to take an honest evaluation of how my life looks for following Jesus. You know, I need to take an honest evaluation of my life. So what in your life is compromise? What do you know that you're giving yourself a free pass on? What do you know compromise? It's not, compromise is like shades, right? It's not, it's not like full-fledged rebellion, Okay. What do you know that is polluting your spirit, separating you from God, keeping you from your potential as a son or daughter of God? What do you know that is growing in indifference and rationalization in your heart that you're just like, what have you given up on in your life? You know, could you pray the prayer tonight? Holy Spirit, come and shine that pure light in which there is no darkness at all, right? Shine that into my life and just begin to expose gently. He's a father, Right? He does this gently. He loves us. But expose in my life those things that are not lined up with your will. Would you just expose that in my life, God? I mean, would we be willing to pray that prayer? Not for condemnation's sake, but for transformation's sake. We can become more like Jesus, that we can shine more brightly. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. All right, so awkward moment here because we have like seven minutes left and my discussion questions are about the next point, which I'm not going to give. So you'll just get it on your own as you discuss it. Here, I'll, I'll set the premise for you. I was, the next thing I was going to talk about is I was going to talk about, okay, we've talked about kind of like the negative way of reading that verse. Now let's talk about the positive way, okay? So those, you'll know you love God if you obey his commands. Let's talk about that in a proactive way. Live like Jesus lived. How did Jesus live? In a, in a not what I shouldn't do, okay, but what I should do. Living out God's call in our lives. Living out when he calls us to step out and serve others or love others or use our gifts. How are we doing in that department? Right? There's the, it's like the sins of omission and commission. Have you heard those before? The sins of commission is like the, when you do wrong. Sins of omission is when you don't do right. When you don't do what God's called you to do. So I think we could end with that. Yeah, because we, we're, we're out of time. I mean, I can't say anything else. So let me see what the discussion was. From a more proactive point of view, instead of don't do this, we will say do this. So what does it mean to live as Jesus did? So apply that, live as Jesus did, to this culture we live in now. What do you think that means for your life in a, proactive sort of way. Go. Uh, let's, the kids are here. It's time. Let's pray and, uh, and then we can go. Hey, buddy. Or, all right, you ready to pray? Let's pray. Shh. Kids, we're going to pray. Jesus, thank you for this time. I pray that you, God, would speak into our hearts what you want us to take home from tonight, God. I pray that you would um, shine that light into our hearts. And even this week, just begin to draw us closer to you, to becoming more like you, God. I pray it would be done in love and in relationship and with patience over the process, God. But I pray that you would be transforming us. God, we want to be more like you. I pray you'd help us as we wrestle with that whole issue, God, to find a real, a real place of, of grace in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so next week, don't forget, the service project, check your emails to know where you need to go.